0: Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public.
1: Our guest today is Tim Griffiths, a professor in the Department of Soil, Water, and Climate at the University of Minnesota, who specializes in land and atmospheric interaction. Well, Tim, uh, agriculture... Has been talking a lot about climate change, and there are certainly many different opinions on it. But I understand that you've been working with the Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council on this subject. So let's start there. You know why this collaboration, and what you're hoping to accomplish, what the the research and promotion council is hoping to accomplish.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for that question. So um, for a number of years, uh, we've been studying sort of the regional of agriculture on our atmospheric um, uh, uh, trace gases, including things like nitrous oxide uh, and ammonia. Um, uh, nitrous oxide is a very important greenhouse gas, so it's implicated in uh, future warming. And, and um, as you know, ammonia is implicated in having a uh, Uh, through help uh, with the Minnesota Corn Growers Association, uh, we've been able to ask some of these questions of, you know, what are the controlling mechanisms uh, on those concentrations in the atmosphere? So we went from a very large-scale perspective um, where we use tall towers to look at regional signals uh, to a very sort of... Using synthetic nitrogen um, for growing corn in our region, and we noticed that some of the really large emission years, like uh, 2012, occurred on one of the warmest springs we have ever recorded, um, and one of the wettest uh, sort of winter spring uh, time periods. And so that got us interested in conducting some of these detailed mesocosm experiments. Um, and so at the University of Minnesota, when I refer to mesocosms, we have Call um, uh, large rhizotrons of canopies that allow us to mimic uh, the outdoor environment and allow us to uh, look at the impacts of climate on um, the production of corn and um, uh, basically how uh, nutrients are cycled through the soil and are exchanged with the atmosphere. may be applied in the fall or in the early spring Um, and if you combine that with warmer temperatures uh, you can enhance uh, denitrification because of the warmer and wetter conditions and again that represents um, a reduction in nitrogen use and efficiency and a reduction of loss of nitrogen uh, from the farmer. So I've sort of been thinking about this as is climate conspiring against us you know we're going to great basically shows that we should be getting wetter springs and slightly drier summers if we have we can apply that sort of same scenario to our mesocosm facility and then look at how that impacts crop growth um, and the loss of nitrogen uh, in these systems and so what we have found is that uh, that future uh, weather pattern or precipitation pattern is likely to enhance nitrous oxide emissions or reduce To move forward and how to uh, provide you know, better management of these ecosystems.
1: Exactly and, and you're going to grab a farmer's attention when you talk about greater nitrogen efficiency not only from a profit standpoint but environmentally speaking too. So my question to you, Tim, is is how do you take the science that, that you're involved in and make that applicable at the farm level? How does that translate to the farm? Um, yeah, well, that's, that's a good question. So what we, um,
0: what we hope to do is not, you know, you know, we tend to, you know, like to publish our papers in scientific journals, and at the end of the day, what we hope to do um, is make sure that the new science, uh, the things that we are learning in the music hospital facilities, um, uh, ultimately make their way into um, policy. Uh, so I, I sort of view what we're doing as trying to provide the best scientific information uh, to our stakeholders and to our policymakers so that we can make you know better choices uh, moving forward.
1: Hey, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but it, it's been my experience that climate change is sort of a lightning rod. And as I said at the beginning, I've found that there are a lot of different opinions on it. But what what's your message to to the farmer that that believes that there there are more extremes uh, as far as weather conditions, uh, also that farmer that thinks climate change is, is made up by the government and everybody in between. What's kind of a, a centralized, generalized message that you would have for them on climate change, Tim?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think from my experience, and I teach I teach a, a climate change course here at the University of Minnesota, and I teach all about the physics and actually happening to our atmosphere and how it's changing I think um, more and more the attitude has shifted um, to more acceptance of it happening um, but there's still debate over why it's happening so I think the pendulum has sort of swung so that most people are on board with yes there are extremes and things are trending those trends that you can better manage
1: talked about these mesocosms, but I'm curious, what else is happening in the lab, if you will? What are some of the other projects that are are probably at least somewhat related to what you've already described?
0: Uh, Yeah, so um, in addition to some of those um, climate change uh, type experiments, uh, we also um, are using the mesocosm facility as a way of testing uh, interesting and new products. So, for example, Pivot Bio um, has a uh, product that's basically designer microbes uh, that should uh, improve nitrogen fixation and reduce the amount of synthetic nitrogen that you need uh, to apply to your crop. And so, the mesocosm Facility is allowing us uh, to take a look at those types of questions, and if we see good potential, we can then take that information and start to do some field-scale uh, trials. The other thing I should mention is um, the regional measurements that I mentioned and as well uh, the music house work that is supported by the Minnesota Corn Growers Association, all of this information um, and data uh, basically is used to help inform some of the uh, models that we use. And so we we have been using um, sophisticated climate models to help understand and estimate regional emissions, um, and to track uh, you know how these uh, where these emissions come from and how they're likely to change uh, um, as things get warmer and wetter. So um, there's a lot of synergy between these projects, and ultimately comes begins to feed models that. We Forecasting
1: into the future. The last thing that I'd like to discuss with you, you you kind of alluded to with climate change. You know, there's sometimes finger pointing that goes on. You know, who's responsible for what? What would what do you make of the fact that you have a, a commodity group like the Minnesota Corn Growers that that are out in front on this subject? That they're working with the university. They're working with with researchers like you. Uh, on this subject. uh, Why do you think that matters? Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that matters because
0: um, if you can have one of the largest uh, commodity groups uh, in the United States start to set the example and the standard, um, people are going to pay attention to that. They have a very large voice. Um, And if people see them doing the right thing and and providing innovative solutions to uh, providing better management of what is, let's face it, the nitrogen problem is one of the grand challenges. Um, Globally we are producing or consuming about 110 teragrams of synthetic nitrogen each year. Uh, The population is increasing, there's greater demand for food, fiber and fuel. And to have that kind of influence and that kind of voice um, could really potentially set the standard and and set a great example for other uh, environmental issues uh, that we face.
1: I see at least one article uh, on the Minnesota Corn Growers website that has to do with with some of what we've talked about at mncorn.org. So there's one place people can go to learn more. Where else would you direct our listeners if they're interested in what we've been talking about today, Tim?
0: Yeah, certainly uh, there's a number of University of Minnesota web pages. Uh, I, I think the Department of Soil, Water, and Climate um, website is a great starting point and to learn more about some of the expertise uh, in our program. Um, and certainly our own web pages um, from my research group, Uh can uh, really show you some of the regional, give you a good regional perspective on. Uh, the impacts of agriculture on the atmosphere, um, would be, um, a good starting point.
1: To learn more, visit mncorn.org.